Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast. This is Season 6, Episode 19. I'm Alexander. And I'm Jeanette. And we are a podcast about writing and storytelling. Our topic today is hashtag poetry. And who better to talk about poetry than poets, blogger, and ukulele enthusiast, Kylie Getz. Now, I originally connected with Kylie through the hashtag horror haikus day challenge on Twitter slash my blog, and I am super excited to have her on the show today. And for those of you who do not know, Jeanette actually created hashtag horror haikus day, which is a weekly writing prompt where she creates an illustration to inspire horror themed haiku. That's right. And you can find all of those on my blog. HorrorMade.com. <laughs> That's H-O-R-R-O-R-M-A-D-E.com. But enough of that. Let's get into talking to Kylie. Hello, Kylie. Welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on. We've been uh, chatting back and forth online for, I don't know, a couple years now, I think. Yeah, I you're definitely my best Twitter friend. Aw, same. <laughs> I was like, what's <laughs> Kylie up to? <laughs> so, hey, Kylie, how's your day going? Uh, pretty well, pretty well. Um, it's warm, finally. Yay. I mean, 40 degrees, but still, that's warm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I got to, uh, well, not today. I got to go yesterday to uh, fly my drone. I just got a professional drone. I'm getting into aerial photography, so I got to get my drone up in the air. That's awesome. Quick question. Do you have to register that? Yes. I, I <laughs> registered my anything over half a pound has to be registered with the FAA. And I am taking my part 107 unmanned aircraft test on Tuesday, the 16th. That sounds very complicated and interesting. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it is complicated. That's for sure. Mm. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's just I, I'm actually really excited about um, kind of doing my due diligence and, and, and getting doing all of the studying and making sure I'm, I'm following regulations and all that, along with learning how to operate the drone, because I've got about 15, 17 years of photography and videography experience that I'm now applying to this aircraft. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Kylie. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell the audience about some of the things you've been working on? Okay. Um, so about three years ago, I, um, my friends and I got together for New Year's Eve and we had our own little like Wiccan ritual where we wrote down our uh, goals for like our intentions for the year and then things we were going to let go of. And one of my intentions for the year was to uh, try and create something every day because I love I love a lot of things and I love consuming culture. But uh, when I die, nobody's gonna, you know, be like, "Oh, she's watched every episode of The West Wing four times and knows <laughs> all the words to the Gummy Berry theme song." Um, so, uh, so I got to mid February and I realized that I was not honoring that intention. So I decided I would sign up for word of the day emails from the dictionary. And then every day I'd write a poem using that word. So I've been doing that now for almost three years. In February, it'll be three years. 
And uh, so I have a blog where I do that, which is uh, wordofthepoetry.blogspot.com. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not very tech savvy. I'm a bit of a Luddite. So I've got the old school blogger going. Um, and then I have another blog where I put other things that I've written. Um, for a while, I was a featured contributor for a uh, literary journal that uh, is now defunct, but um, called Babbling of the Irrational. And so I have some short stories there. And uh, I wrote a novel in grad school, so that's available on Amazon. Um, and yeah, and uh, I play the ukulele sometimes. <laughs> Not very well, but I like it. I like your ukulele playing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about uh, your short stories. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I uh, So the ukulele playing actually came about because uh, a couple of years ago, I went through a really exceedingly hard breakup. Oh. Um, it was one of those things where it was like, you meet someone and they're amazing and they're talented and they tell you all the best things you ever hoped about yourself were true and then they dump you. And it was really hard for me. So I had what I call my hipster life crisis. <laughs> and I bought a pair of roller skates and a ukulele. And uh, I still play the ukulele and the roller skates live in my closet. <laughs> nice. And you're also an author, correct? You have a novel out? I do. Um, it's called Ballad of the Romantically Challenged. Um not remotely autobiographical, of course, um, but uh, when I went to grad school uh, for creative writing in Australia, um, we had to do our thesis, and if I did my thesis in poetry, my 30,000 words would all have to be, basically all the poems would have to be on the same topic, oh. and uh, or thematically linked, and that was a little daunting, so I had a short story that I was working on that my... Um, thesis advisor got me to uh, sort of grow into a novel and uh, it's it's not high art <laughs> but it's uh, what I would consider like a fun beach read mm -hmm. and um, I, I reread it recently because I wrote it you know 10 years ago and I was I was rather impressed with myself <laughs> I was so impressed that I bought it so it's true <laughs> As we were preparing for this episode, we're like, look at how amazing Kylie is. <laughs> so, And whoever did that, that cover for that book should get an award because it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that actually is my brother. Nice. Who is an artist. Um, he's, he's an art director for, uh, I won't say, a large hotel corporation, but his background's in design. And um, he also flies a lot of drones. Nice. around the hotel properties for their promotional stuff That's awesome. but um yeah it's great when you make stuff to be able to use your friends and your family mm -hmm. it's like it just it feels like it's a team effort then mm -hmm. and also if you don't like what they do it's way easier to just tell them <laughs> yeah I, I like the concept, but can we maybe do this or make the color bolder or whatever? And, you know, they can't hate you because they have to see you at Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Or if they hate you, they'll at least, like, tell you about it and maybe get over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they'll mumble it with a mouthful of uh, some sort of food product and they'll just, you'll never hear it. 
Yeah, that's it. It's just I don't know how to dare you trick or change the what'd you say? Um mashed potatoes are the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, believe me, I'd hear my brother. <laughs> So you've been having this back and forth with Jeanette with Horror Haikus Day for a while. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that process? Um, so when I started doing the Word of the Day poetry, I uh, decided that I needed to be countable. Like it wasn't just enough for myself to write them, um, but I needed to actually put them out into the world. So I, for the first time uh, since joining Twitter, I actually started posting regularly. And being on Twitter and posting you know, uh, literary things, I came across the Horror Haikus Day hashtag, and I was like, oh, that's super cool, because I'm actually not a big horror fan. I am a huge scaredy cat. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I love, like, Edgar Allan Poe and that sort of stuff, so I was, I just thought it was a great concept. So I wrote, you know, my first one, and got a like or two, and then wrote another couple and got a couple more likes. And then out of nowhere, I get this, I see this post that my, my haiku has been illustrated <laughs> and I just lost my effing mind. <laughs> I was so excited. I felt so, it felt so, um, like anytime you, you know, make something and somebody acknowledges it, it's great, yeah. <laughs> but that you actually illustrated, and I can't remember what the first one was. Uh, something, I think it was like something about a broken heart, or it was definitely yeah. something I was going through at the time. Aww. And uh, you did this beautiful illustration of this sort of broken doll-like girl on the ground, and she just had so much pathos. And then I was hooked. Um, uh, I think uh, maybe a month later, you did one that I wrote about uh, moldy eyeballs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was no going back. Every Tuesday, unless I'm overseas or traveling, every Tuesday, I'm going to write my horror haiku day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I know that feeling is when someone uh, acknowledges what you've made you're just like holy shit like you lose your shit <laughs> yeah and i mean not just acknowledges but then uses it to make their own thing yeah like it's just it becomes this whole like mutual admiration society which is completely where we're at at this point oh absolutely um, and i love it i'm more than happy i will be the president of this mutual admiration society <laughs> or vice president i'll be treasurer i'll take notes i don't care i just want to be part of it that's awesome, Jenna. You have a fan club. It. It's pretty cool. It's a fan club for each other. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this is what I love about the internet is like, we can be making these weird little things, have these bizarre, really just passion-driven projects and somehow find people that connect with us and, and make best friends online. <laughs> it really is like when the internet started getting big and when I moved overseas, the whole social media to keep in touch with friends was great. Mm -hmm. And then to have that turn into making friends is just, it's a wonder of the age. I love it. I love that, you know, we can have friends literally anywhere in the world who are just as weird as we are. <laughs> so Kylie, how did you first get into writing poetry? Have you always written poetry? Oh, yes. I have journals just so many horrible high school journals 
filled with tragic, angsty crap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I started doing theater when I was about five and uh, did that all the way through uh, my undergrad degree was in theater. And um, I, I love telling stories. And the main thing that I loved, and I lo- have always loved Shakespeare, is I love words. I love alliteration and onomatopoeia and all of it. Um, and poetry is a great way to be able to to use those in sort of everyday life. And I mean, some of my favorite writers like Stoppard is just so poetic and you can pull out anything and it just resonates with you. And there's poems that I've memorized that I memorized when I was little, when I was like... Wow four or five that I still remember word for word because they just sort of etch themselves into your heart. So I've always, I think that's beautiful that you memorized poems and they still stick with you to this day. Yeah. There's a bunch of a Milton poems that I loved when I was little. I mean, I liked Winnie the Pooh, but now we are six um, was my favorite book when I was little. And it's Mm -hmm. all little poems that he wrote. Um, there was this, it's, it's a horrible, horrible poem about the use of the word. Well, it's not anymore because bloody is no longer really a terrible swear word. But there was a poem called The Adjectival Word in one of my mom's uh, books that was called like Aussie English. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents, we had a, like an old school milking stool. Mm-hmm. And my parents would have these big parties for um, the Aussie expats because my mom was really active in uh, the Australian community in Florida. Mm-hmm. And we'd all come over, and five-year-old me would get, you know, I'd stand up on top of the, the milking stool and recite this poem, which I, I remember the beginning of. I, I'm sure it's trademarked, but uh, it goes, uh, I was down in Riverina knocking around the town a bit and occasionally resting with the schooner in me mitt. And on one of these occasions, the bar was pretty full and the local blokes were arguing a sort of kinds of bull. I heard a conversation most peculiar in its way, because only in Australia would you hear a joker say, where you been, you bloody drongo, haven't seen you for a week, and your mate was looking for you when he come in from the creek. He was looking up at Ryan's and around at bloody Joe's and even at the Royal where he bloody never goes. And the other bloke said, seen him on him off a bloody quid. Forgot to give it to him, but now I bloody did. Could have used the thing me bloody self, been off the bloody booze, up at Tumba Bloody Rumba, shooting Kanga Bloody Ruse. <laughs> so who was that by? Do you remember? I, don't, I honestly don't remember the name of the author. I'm impressed that I remembered the name of the book. That's amazing. But- that was amazing, though. I could imagine little you on a stool just making everybody crack up saying curse words. <laughs> Yeah, and talking about the the half pint of beer in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> at, at five. Oh my gosh, those people came to that party just for that. I'm sure. <laughs> and what's the name of the uh, the the author that you like? This Stompard. Stoppard. He's a playwright, and mm-hmm. also he writes films. He's the writer who uh, wrote Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Oh my god, that one's so good. <laughs> it's hilarious. You would love well, that, Alex. It's amazing. And uh, so I had a job for a little while uh, working on press junkets, and I got to meet Gary Oldman. Really? And I wow. told him how much I loved his performance in that. Like, I was freaking out because that was um, 
like I was cool all day while okay. we were doing interviews and stuff. And then at the end, we were just talking. And I was like, your performance was just so joyful. And that was my introduction to Todd Stopper. And he gave me this big hug. <laughs> Smelled like cappuccino and cigarettes. Nice. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of you for keeping your shit together. <laughs> as long as day. you could, yeah. It, like, I made it right till the end of the day, and then apparently I just turned bright red oh. and was like, oh my god. Because I knew it was going to be my only chance to tell him. Yeah. <laughs> Aw. And then you got that hug. I think that's worth it. Yes, totally worth it. So how have you learned about poetry and all of its different forms? Um. Well... When I was little, my uh, my grandmother sent over books of Australian poems cool. for my mom to read to me because she wanted to make sure I had a, a strong basis in Australian poetry. So Banjo Patterson, Henry Kendall, um, a bunch of other ones. And uh, so that was sort of my introduction. As I got older, I really got into Keats and Sylvia Plath and... Mm -hmm. Yates, I love Yates, and Dorothy Parker. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I went to grad school, I went for creative writing. So we had to take like literary theory classes. So I learned uh, a lot more about the structure there. But um, I just, I think poems are so wonderful, especially I love haikus and sonnets kind of the most, mm -hmm. even though I don't write that many sonnets these days. But um I love the whole, you're so restricted within structure, but within that structure, the story that you tell is entirely up to you, the tone, the language, even if it's, you know, you have to hit a certain pentameter, it's, there's so many options within each like quatrain or whatever it is that you're writing. It's almost like figuring out a puzzle. Mm -hmm. It's like the best game of Scrabble ever. Yes. <laughs> And rhymes, like, I, I know a lot of rhyming poetry can be incredibly twee, and I've <laughs> certainly written my share of that, but um, finding a perfect rhyme, like a surprising rhyme, it, it's always sort of exciting. There's like a little frisson as your brain starts firing and you're running through words, or sometimes you'll, you know, go to the thesaurus to to find something that you know you know a word that's better than the word that you're using and you just can't quite put your finger on it. And it's it's always, like, there's really, you get that spark of creativity every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually learned a new word by, uh, by having a typo. Because uh, I do these, <laughs> I do these, like, tips of the day uh, on, on, uh, Twitter. I am a winner. I they they show up in my feed all day long. I love it. <laughs> so I, I had written this particular one um, on the eighth of January, and then I, I made a typo, and then I looked it up, and I was like, "Well, that that fits perfectly fine." I had never really even thought about that word or knew that word existed, but it fit perfectly anyway. So and people ended up liking it anyway, uh, which is a day of respire, the warm sun attempting to pierce this frozen tundra. Do you reach for the sun or embrace the dark and cold places that call to you with an ancient song? And originally it was supposed to be respite, a day of respite. 
and I ended up writing respire accidentally. And then I didn't even know that I really didn't know that word at all. But then I looked it up and I'm like, it's, it's great. It, it fits perfectly. And, and uh, people seem to enjoy it. I'm assuming it's to do with breathing. Mm-hmm. It's like breathing and, and calm yeah. uh, and focus. From the same root as respiration. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So a day of respire. So it's almost like a day of calm. The warm sun attempting to pierce this frozen tundra. Do you reach for the sun or embrace the dark and cold places that call to you with an ancient song? And it just kind of fits irregardless of the a breath. breath. So it kind of it kind of still works and it has a very similar meaning. So I was kind of lucky in that. And I I learned a new word. (laughs) And it well, it has a similar meaning, but it also has a slightly different meaning, which Mm -hmm. sort of gives the the image that comes to mind is sort of like standing on a plane and, you know, those moments in uh, your life, like at the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. or like uh, on top of a mountain where you, you just breathe differently. Yeah. You take in a deep breath and you actually take in the world around you with the breath. Yeah. And so I, I think it actually adds something even more to it. And that's kind of what, thank you. And, and I, and I, it's kind of why I got drawn to doing aerial photography is, um, it's that breath, <laughs> t- taking that breath to really take in the world and, and as it is, and to be able to see it with a diff- with new eyes. And, um, especially with the writing, I guess, I think one of the, uh, founders of, uh, NaNoWriMo had mentioned on an interview with NPR saying that, uh, to be a great writer, you have to allow yourself to be bored. Uh, in order to notice things around you and not be so kind of in that mode of go, go, go. Yeah, I, I know you guys talked on your uh, last podcast about um, focus. Mm-hmm. And focus is definitely important and it's how we achieve things. But on the same note, that that sort of letting your perspective blur a little bit so mm-hmm. that you catch that thing that's in the corner of your eye mm-hmm. is is also a worthwhile endeavor and it's i i was listening to that and i was thinking how it's it's important to have both mm-hmm. yeah sort of yeah no i i do think you're right because if you don't take a moment to get a little sidetracked you're gonna miss a lot <laughs> um yeah and, and also every time you do that you pick up something else mm-hmm. like you you catch something else that informs the thing that you're doing I would I would absolutely agree with that cuz I think my whole online I'll call it career <laughs> has been the space for perspective. Uh, yeah, it's been it's kind of been a sidetrack in a weird it started as a sidetrack and now it's just kind of become my focus. <laughs> but that's that's, you know, fantastic. That's that's the way we find the best things, I think. I've I've done the uh the thing where I, you know, made plans, but I find that my plans never come to fruition in the way that I think they will. But just being open to new things and sort of seeing where that track leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you're going to end up at a dead end, but you can turn around and go back and start over. Um, but you're, if you're so laser focused on one thing, then you get disappointed if you don't get it. Mm-hmm. True. And, uh, and you miss the other things that that the universe is sort of throwing at you. Damn, I got super deep there. I like it. <laughs> well, I think that people a lot of time really forget that there is a reset button mm-hmm. that you can always try again. It, it, you just have to have the will to do so and and to see that the mistake you made or the thing that fa- faltered 
is part of the learning process and it's going to take you somewhere you didn't expect. And it might even be better the second time around. Like I've heard of some authors that typed an entire novel and then for some reason things got lost or deleted or destroyed and they had to start over again. And, uh, you know, and sometimes the second draft is probably a lot better, even, you know, because they have that they've gone down that journey already. They know that road already. And all of a sudden they can kind of surprise themselves because of the things that they took on and things that happened to them during that experience of creation. So I think it's, you know, I think we our faults make who we are and the best characters uh, that we've enjoyed are extraordinarily faulted, uh, extraordinarily flawed. That's a yeah. word. That's a thing, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, works as well. Um, as far as writing goes, I also, I'm a huge fan of throwing it in a drawer and mm-hmm. leaving it for a little while. Um, because when you go back, you can look at it with fresh eyes and you can see the things that work and you can, you, it's basically, you get the aerial drone perspective of your own work. Mm-hmm. You, you can, you're not so wrapped up in getting it right or in um, getting to the, the plot point or the outcome that you were trying for. Uh, and you can look back and you can go, okay, this works, this doesn't work. Um, and it, that's also where like feedback and friends are incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. But that's really, it, it really does help if you put it in a drawer for a little bit because then you don't take criticism quite in the same way. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't feel like a refutation of everything that you're working on. You can look at it and go, okay, no, you're right. That works better if I move that there. Mm-hmm. This scene should come before that scene or or however. So Yeah, when you just finish bashing through something, you're like, yes, take a look at this. It's amazing. <laughs> well, here's some feedback. works on the other way too is you can write something and you get so frustrated and upset with it and you're like oh it's just awful why did I waste yeah (laughs) and and then if you set it aside and you go back and read it later you'll see a lot of it's not that bad and you can always fix what's on the page Mm -hmm. but you can't fix a blank page that's right And I just imagined when Jeanette was like, ah, like the Wicked Witch going, I'm melting. <laughs> I know melting like very well. I was imagining a giant uh, pencil stabbing yeah. me through the heart as I fall to the floor and words leak around. But the- <laughs> that's my I brain. absolutely love Jeanette's brain. I- I've been reading like early drafts of this novel she's working on. Oh, and speaking of garbage. It's Oh my God, it's the best ever. I it's love terrible. it. It's like so weird and fun like I really just it's it's very left field but it's also you know something unexpected like I really wouldn't know what to expect from Jeanette because she's always so kind of serious with her writing like she has this other novel she was writing about a girl and wizardry and 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 dead parents and all sorts of stuff and I was like okay this is very you know dark and brooding and and thoroughly written and you have this thing she wrote for NaNoWriMo it's like 40,000 words of I think it's awesome. I love it. It's random. So I'll have to, um, we do need to have an episode where I actually perform a chunk of it because it's Mm. not, I don't know if it's going to stay in the final anything. I want it Um, to so badly. There's this part, Kylie, where my characters literally just throw down what they're doing, look up at me and say, it's not our fault. You're bored. Why do you keep punishing us? And they just start arguing with me. (laughs) 
very ENFO. I love it. I'm telling you, it's it's really the best, and I really it want it to me. be exactly what she's written so far. I don't want it, anything changed. Maybe to some pacing stuff, but other than that, like it's just it's fantastic, and it's so Jeanette, and it's like I can feel her through the pages like it's really fun and exciting and interesting and weird and random and it's like remind me of like time bandits it it i i look forward to reading it have you ever ever seen the movie have you ever seen the film time bandits um like a bajillion times yeah so yeah it's 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 just it reminded me of that just kind of that pacing and randomness mom dad don't touch it it's evil (laughs) (laughs) i love it so to uh Come back from a sidetrack. What is your favorite type of poem to write? Um, like I said, I really do love writing sonnets. Okay. Um, and I I think they're so much fun. Uh, mostly the the a lot of what comes out of the project, um, my daily poem project is it varies so much, <laughs> which is part of the point. Um, because. Uh, it's part of that whole, I was reading the outliers and that whole 10,000 hours thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Stephen King, uh, in on writing talks about how it's a craft and you have to just like do it every day. And so that was sort of my way to do that. So I've written, you know, haikus and, and, um, sustainas and I've tried weird forms of poetry that, um, well, I mean, they're not weird, but they're not my wheelhouse really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do really love a well-crafted sonnet. They're so beautiful and they really do. It's that, it's that rhythm to it. I think that's why I personally really like Shakespeare is because it is, it is, po- is it's written like a sonnet, right? Or am I missing that up? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a, you're right. It's iambic pentameter. That much I know, <laughs> but it is that rhythm. That's just so, comforting I guess and playful too yeah and and again that whole thing of within the form you can talk about whatever um I took an acting class years ago and one of the one of the um like uh things we had to do was we had to write our own uh sonnet in iambic pentameter Mm -hmm. and then perform it Mm -hmm. and uh I I loved doing that so much it was so much fun. Um, and I was going to recite it for you, and now I just f- forgot the first line. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I, I remember now. I was going to look it up, but I think I, I can do it from memory. It was uh, called, um, so it goes, Alone in all the crowds, I sit and wait. At bars and parties, men just pass me by. In New York City, it is hard to date especially if one is rather shy. And yet, down city streets, the lucky walk, those couples hold each other's hands and smile. So smug, they kiss and hug and baby talk. They fill my empty chest all up with bile. Is it at bars or cafes or the park these couples met and mated two by two? I go these places and the time I mark, waiting for someone to arrive, but... Who? New York, I know you have the man for me, but where the fuck in all these crowds is he? I love that so much. And what is the title of that piece? 
sexless in the city. <laughs> I love your sense of humor so much. <laughs> so yeah. much. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I knew from our first exchanges that we totally have a similar sort of uh, wavelength thing going on. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> a little dark, a little whimsical, and uh, and a little bit bloody and angry sometimes, yep. like with, with some, some real rage underneath the whimsy. It's nice to find a kindred spirit. It really is. <laughs> So Kylie, can you tell us a little bit more about your project and if you want to share one that you think is your favorite from this three-year adventure you've had? Um, That's sure. a big question. Can you hold on one second? Let me grab yeah. a book. <laughs> um, yeah, no, actually one of my favorites, I think, um, I've got to look through the uh, index because i got to remember what the word was. Um. <laughs> So the first year of poems that I wrote, I compiled and uh, put together basically like a large chapbook. But um, I self-published that, and that's also on Amazon under my name. And that's K-Y-L-I-E-G-O-E-T-Z. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. It looks like it was June 15th. There was more to that question before I ran off. Oh, it's just uh, tell a little bit more about the project. Just kind of explain it a little bit more, like as far as the kind of poems you delved into. And and uh, I, I think you, you definitely got into already, like what got it started, what jump started it. But just about the actual process of it and, and uh, your journey of doing these three years of poetry. Um. Okay. Uh, so um, really... I get my word of the day in my email. So when I get up in the morning, I usually check my phone and I let the words sort of percolate through my commute usually. Um, I get to work a little bit early so I can have breakfast there because I can't eat when I first get up in the morning. It just makes my tummy queasy. Uh, so while I have my coffee and eat my bagel or my mini quiche or whatever the heck I'm having, I usually write my poem for the day. So sometimes I don't. Sometimes Sometimes it, uh, you know, you get into the office and even though I'm there early, there's a pile of things to do or on the weekends, it can sometimes not get posted until 11.45 p.m., mm -hmm. <laughs> which has happened before. Uh, but I, I usually, sometimes I'm uh, affected by like events of the day. I have a series of poems from the last year that are a bit about the media and politics and how outrageous the world has become. Um, sometimes it's about personal heartache that's going on. Sometimes I'll just see something that sort of catches me, uh, you know, a butterfly in the park on my lunch break or whatever. And if the word sort of fits into that, then that's, that's great. Um, and as for doing it for three years, I originally, like I said, it was just to get me through that one first year to, so that I would create more. Um, but it sort of gained momentum. And by the time I finished the first year and I had uh, like 5,000 views, page views, which to me at the time was 
insane. It is. <laughs> well, and now I'm at like 35,000 page views, which I, I know a lot of those are the same people who come back and read it every day, mm -hmm. but that's not my mother. I know. No. <laughs> <laughs> because she lives in Australia and I, I can see on the analytics how many times uh, they get read from Australia. So, um, so it's just been a real journey and it's been great to sort of find a community and uh, occasionally I'll hashtag, you know, something that links to the, to the poem, like, you know, just hashtag the word friendship because this poem's about friendship, which sounds so, you know, mm -hmm. high school-y, but then it, it'll catch and somebody will retweet it and then suddenly I have, you know, a hundred views for that one poem nice. and it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing how just the act of doing something every day is great creatively, but it is, that's how you build some sort of audience. It is. And how people who might read one poem and, you know, like it, then suddenly you notice that there's page views for poems going back four months mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, well, now they're reading all of my poems. <laughs> So, um, and it is, it, it is that thing of like, when I die, cause we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. I, I want to leave something. And Emily Dickinson wrote so much poetry, which she never published, but we all know who she is because mm -hmm. when she died, she had left something tangible behind. So, so I, I sort of thought, well, this can be one of the things that I leave behind that that it somebody will read and who knows, you know, what what happens posthumously. We have no say over that. Mm -hmm. But it, if there's something there, then, you know, you can be remembered for more than knowing the words to gummy bears. So. <laughs> Bouncing here and there and everywhere. <laughs> So, um, as for the, uh, the daily page views, I'm one of them. I have set my, uh, browser to go to your webpage as my first thing that I see anytime I open up my computers. I'm like, Oh, I want to see what's new from Kylie today. Oh, that, that, oh, like you can't see me, but I am blushing. So oh. <laughs> that just makes me all like giddy inside. Not to be totally fangirly, but I love that you guys create together. And Aww. it's just, it's, you know, hashtag relationship goals. So. Well, that was something that I've always kind of had fantasized about when I was dating and having all my angsty issues. And I have a, I have an also a big full journal of angsty, very dark <laughs> poetry about breakups. Me too. And... and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I always really wanted that um, that dream of once I wanted to, you know I decided I wanted to get into film and other things like that and creative fields. I was like, oh, it'd be great to find somebody I can create with. And we met on a film set, and um, I don't think we ever intended to really create together. That's just something that kind of happened. Um, oh, I yeah. expected it because me as an individual, <laughs> I wouldn't have been interested in someone that I couldn't make things with. <laughs> It's like, if you're not yeah, an artist, I'm I know, bored. <laughs> horrible, but I dated a photographer for a while. Yeah. And he showed me a portfolio, and I was just like, oh, my God, I can't date you anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> it was so bad. 
it happens. Can't respect the things that you make. I mean, you don't have to like everything, of course, yeah. but you have to appreciate sort of the aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think oh, sometimes some, sometimes people pick up an instrument of any kind and they're like, I'm just going to try this. And we can't all be Jonathan Davis from Corn or whatever, where they just didn't even know how to play their instruments, and then they just kind of made noise and turned that into something tangible. Some people pick up an instrument and they don't have any any kind of strong base of understanding of how it operates or or the creative eye and how that works, um, how to kind of change your perspective in order to see things a little bit differently, and they just make things. And I've had friends like that too that presented themselves to me as photographers, and I was like, oh, cool. I'm I'm I was I used to video uh, hardcore bands, mm-hmm. uh, and I used to go and f- film their shows, and they were doing like you know tour videos or whatever. And a friend of mine came on and she's like, oh, yeah, I can, I'm a photographer. And she came and she did these photos and she took about, I don't know, like 60 or 70 or 80 or 100 photos or whatever. And only like four weren't blurry. Oof. You know, not not just like, yeah. hey, I got a great shot or whatever. And you're going to get a bunch of yeah. crappy shots when you're taking photos, especially when things are moving. Sometimes things are blurry, whatever. You, you, you keep going. But you have to have enough of a good handle on your camera that you can actually get at least 70% of your shots are in focus and at least, you know, like 50% of your shots are really good or usable or or 20% or 30% that are really great and usable. uh, If you have a great eye. And And if the thing that you say that you do, you should make the effort to be technically proficient. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate the effort. Anybody came and did stuff, but it's like, I couldn't use it. (laughs) I could really, really, I couldn't even use, I think maybe, maybe one photo was actually usable. And and I don't even think that I was just like, I don't, I can't see anything of value with what this is presenting to me. Yeah. It didn't tell you a story or anything. Yeah. There's really no technical merit to it at all. And I was really kind of sad by, saddened by that. But um, yeah, that happens. Sometimes you, you, somebody shows you something and you're just like trying to be polite, like, oh, your baby's adorable. And it looks like a troll. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like my, a lot of my songwriting, some of it is just God awful. Um, Well, no, I mean, I'm not the world's greatest singer. I'm definitely not the world's greatest ukulele player. Um, But I also, there's, I'm not making that for a wider audience. Mm -hmm. So it's not a concern. I don't present myself as a musician. That's, it's a hobby that I greatly enjoy, but it's definitely not, you know, it's not my next career. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> but if it gives you joy and it helps yeah. you kind of recenter, then awesome. Do it. I mean, I, I'm not the best singer in the world, but I love singing. I've gotten marked be- markedly better over the past year but because I do it so often. But I'm not a professional singer. There's value in that. There's value in enjoying the things that you make, mm-hmm. even if they're not great. Yeah. Um, just the joy of making and like I'm, I could never do what you do, Jeanette. <laughs> not even a little bit. I am. I I'm okay with my post-it doodles, and that's about it. And my brother's really, he's the artist in the family. Um, but I have seven sketch pads, and I like to draw stuff. And most of it, I would never show to anybody ever. But it's just the sheer joy of making something mm-hmm. that nobody else can make. Exactly. So, that's how I feel about my writing, although I've been told it's not as terrible as I think it is. <laughs> I enjoy it. Oh, good. 
the uh, the heartbreaker from a few years ago. Um, he's a podcaster and a musician, and he is amazingly talented. But he just he creates he's prolific. He creates a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and not all of it hits. But if you're not making it, nothing's gonna hit. It goes back to that blank page. And that's the thing. You just have to keep making things and keep trying. <laughs> yeah. So what's been one of the most surprising things you've learned while creating a poem a day? Um, I don't know that there's any been any like real shockers. Okay. Um, I, I do love sometimes there are words that I have no idea what they are. That's kind of my favorite <laughs> is when I learn a new word mm-hmm. thanks to yield dictionary and uh and then have to try and and craft something especially every now and then there will be like technical words and i i love it but i don't always think i use the words in the manner in which they're intended (laughs) (laughs) what's one word that really threw you for a loop oh this wasn't like a technical word it was just awful youthquake Youthquake. That sounds awful. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of like the youthful zeitgeist kind of thing. But it was, it just reeks of, you know, really bad marketing words that somebody who uses the word synergy a lot would say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like some kind of really gross cereal product. Yeah. Um, are you guys kids in the hall fans? Yes. It's, it sounds like the Geralds. Mm-hmm. You know, Gerald, Jerry, Jer, Guh. It, it's something <laughs> that they would say. So. But it just, it sort of turned my stomach a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cringy. Um, yeah. I definitely enjoy learning new words through your poetry because there's a lot of things that are just like, what the heck is that? And then I have to go look it up. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite things. Or sometimes there will be a word that I know, but the the definition will be for a different meaning. Oh. That's always fun, too. That's cool. Uh, so, Kylie, one of the things that we've had as kind of like a theme on here as far as discussing um, with other, other authors and writers is working past uh, when you're feeling uninspired. Uh, what do you do when you're not really feeling it? You're not You're not really inspired to write... Well, how do you work past that? Um, I just sort of, I mean, there, there are days that, I mean, some of my poems that end up on the site for word of the day, um, are admittedly crap. They are not my finest. Sometimes I just churn it out. I'll, I'll, and I can tell when I go back and read them that they seem forced, but every now and then there will be like a, a phrase like a turn of phrase in there that I really like. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really just about not not judging yourself and and knowing that um, anything is oftentimes better than nothing. So it's about really giving yourself the space to fail yeah. in a sense because that's how you learn and that's and and so so you can be tired and inspired. Um, and still make something that has value and, and to allow yourself to be okay with the fact that, you know, this is not great art. This is not the best thing I'm ever going to make, 
but to realize that to not everything has to be the best thing and you don't you don't actually have to get better every single time it's okay to give yourself a break every now and then and write something silly or stupid or that just doesn't work because that's how you figure out later on what does work mm -hmm. most so. definitely so what other kinds of writing do you like to do um I have a short play that I love that I still I've been sending out and I haven't gotten any hits on yet, but it's probably my favorite thing I've ever written. It's uh, like a 15 minute play, but it's about um, a cat that's on its night live uh, playing death at Scrabble. <laughs> um, and it's weird and very British and I love it. Um, so I don't know anything. I do like writing the songs um, because they're very much like a poem, but with different parameters. Mm -hmm. uh, I do have a hard time writing long form things. I have an erotic, like supernatural novel that I've been working on for three years mm -hmm. because writing erotic scenes, I just giggle like <laughs> business. And I read it, and I'm like, oh, it's so terrible. But then I'll read an erotic novel, and I'm like, oh, but it's so terrible. <laughs> I need to just get over myself and be okay with words like throbbing and pulsating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tumescent. It's, you just have to suck it up and understand that's the lay of the land. But um, Phrasing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're 12. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard not to. Oh, I'm sorry, you're not doing that anymore. Sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. okay, phrasing. It's okay if we're not doing that, but you have to tell me that we're not. <laughs> yeah, we're 12, it's fine. Um, if you watch the uh, duet my, my roommate and I did for New Year's Eve, we actually have that whole conversation right in the middle of it. Nice. About phrasing. <laughs> So other than hashtag horror haikus day, are there any other Twitter prompts that you like to join in on? Um, there's a guy on Twitter who he has a literary journal as well, but um, I, uh, I'm going to screw up his name. It's like Cutter Streeby or something, mm -hmm. but he posts uh, art as writing prompts for like five line poems. Cool. So that's always fun. Um, there are, they come and go the different uh, Twitter feeds that have, you know, prompts that really speak to you. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a woman, I guess she's storm or ghost storm or she stopped doing them. Cause she, I think she was in grad school when she was posting the prompts all the time. Oh. Uh, but she would post a lot of prompts. And so I would, I would use those. Uh, I think the hashtag for those was Madverse. Oh yeah. I liked those. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, here's another thing that I did for a little while, which you can find on my other blog. Um, for a while, and I haven't done one in ages, which is bad form, but I was writing what I called Insta poems. Mm -hmm. So I would use my friend's Instagram feeds mm -hmm. and use one of their pictures as like a writing prompt. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I would, you know, type the poem over the picture and then post it. 
so it they look like inspirational posters, but sometimes they're a little bit dark. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like micro poetry is really fun to write, and uh, it speaks to my my need to be witty and mm-hmm. brief. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kylie, what is your favorite poem from your collection of poetry? Um, it's hard to pick an absolute favorite in the same way that I assume people who have children would have a hard time picking theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, one of my favorites is uh, from June 2nd, 2015, and it can be found in my book, Cathartic, A Year in Poems. Uh, and the word of the day that day was stalwart. Uh, So it goes like this. In adversity, our hearts are forged. Truths are learned or lies disgorged. We become our best or worst and find the inner parcels of our mind. Both faithful friend or vicious foe in trouble is discovered so. Through fire is the iron wrought. And though the world with peril fraught, we stalwart all must muddle onward and never let our hearts be conquered by the despair which lies in waiting for the time when haters hating pleasure in our lowest moment, hoping discord there to foment. Here's when the trial's toughest, where the road ahead seems roughest, then deep inside we all must seek, even in the times most bleak, for the kernel, scrap, or shred, even the most tiny thread of our self that's bright and shining to lead us to our silver lining. Though clouds within may storm and rage, here in the tempest, we may gauge the measure of our self-assurance, fortitude, pluck, and endurance, and empathy and kindness gained in trial likelier is retained. Learning this, we may venture out into the world, unplagued by doubt. Tis better thus, ourselves to know, than in ignorance to onward go. I feel like I need to snap after I hear poems. <laughs> Groovy. That was beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, how about one of your favorite horror haikus that you've shared with uh, Anjanetsa? Oh, there's so many. Blog? Just pick one, pick, uh, pick one you really enjoyed. Um, or one of your recent ones. Okay. I got to look at my feed now. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, there's... There's actually two from this week that I like a lot. Okay. Um, but uh, I feel like it doesn't get the full vibe without the picture. So I hope you link, link to the beautiful, beautiful artwork. Most yeah. definitely. Um, so uh, for anybody who's just listening, um, the amazing picture that Jeanette drew, it's uh, sort of this older, almost witch-like woman who, if you've seen Willow, she kind of looks like Bev Morda. And uh, she's got in her arms this flock of sort of vultures or carrion birds. And it's protective and yet creepy and dark and just gorgeous to look at. Um, And so my haiku for that, well, there's two haikus for that, but the first one was uh, cradled in her arms, scavenger birds bring her scraps of your tattered dreams. And then the other one was her corvine darlings roosting in her hollow chest, pulse-like, beat their wings. Um, 
which I, I enjoyed that one because I looked up uh, words that had to do with uh, crows. Mm-hmm. They, they look either like vultures or crows. And I was like, what's the word that means crows? You know, not like bovine or ovine. There's <laughs> got to be a fine word. And it turns out that word is corvine. So I got to look up some, you know, do some research, which I'm a big nerd, so I love doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I genuinely look forward to your Haikus Day poems every week. I'm just like, what, what witty weird thing is Kylie going to come up with? <laughs> you know what? One of my favorite things is when, uh, when we first started our little, uh, tete-a-tete, uh, through horror haikus day was, um, I drew or I drew, I wrote something about like a ringmaster. And then we had this whole little horror circus yeah. <laughs> that, that got created. And, uh, I, I have all of them saved in a file on my computer because it's, <laughs> just I kind of part of me wants to like bug you about it at some point and make like a weird disturbing children's book about it yes let's do it <laughs> that, that would be totally that would be totally in Jeanette's wheelhouse she's been uh, mulling over doing an actual kids book she was actually you were done about let's it. do this exactly you were doing a, you were talking about this last that's episode. a goal for this year is to make a book like that so let's just do it <laughs> I'm I'm all in. I um any I work so well when I have deadlines. Awesome. <laughs> like if I don't have a measurable uh goalpost, there's no way. Um I I wrote a short story last week because some guy on one of the dating sites, we decided instead of a first date, <laughs> we'd both write short stories for each other. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Um he he didn't I don't know if he didn't like mine or if he was intimidated by it. Oh no. Um I'm choosing to believe he was intimidated by it because yes. I haven't heard back from him. Uh and his was a really interesting, like first person narrated blurb kind of more it was more of a vignette. Uh but I wrote a short story about um a woman in like World War Two who gets married to this old guy and comes to New York. And uh, he eats her dreams, and she dies in bed. <laughs> you probably terrified him. He's having <laughs> he had some sort of really bad nightmare and woke up in with sweats, cold sweats. And he's like, "No, she's gonna haunt my dreams forever." I'd go for a second date. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you got to get a special kind of guy that can really see the creativity. That's and be, your new, and be, you know, enthralled by that and not intimidated by your prowess. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, I hope he's out there. Otherwise, I have about seven more cats to buy. (laughs) It's okay. You're always, no matter how many cats you have, one cat short of being a crazy cat lady. Yes. Yeah. Always. (laughs) You have 20 cats. 21 is crazy. That's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. Until you get 21. Then it's 22 would be crazy. (laughs) Isn't 21 supposed to be lucky, though? Yeah. See? That's why you needed 22. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be lucky you could breathe at that point. Because 25 yeah. cats is crazy. No, they, really. You should probably yeah. use that short story as a catalyst. <laughs> they've, they've actually done a, a study, though, is that the more cats you have, the more likely you are to actually be crazy from toxoplasmosis. Yes. 
So I figure I'm safe with the one I have now. And she's crazy enough. She's the crazy person, Cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. Well, thank you so much, Kylie, for coming on the Ninth Story podcast. It is so nice to actually talk to you guys. Yeah. This was awesome. I, I know you a little bit from YouTube and your writing, but um, it's it's really and from the podcast. But it's it's amazing to actually talk to you, and I feel so honored that you even asked. That's um, you totally made my week. <laughs> so, Kylie, we've talked a lot about where people can find you online, but can you specifically tell people where to find you online? Um, probably the easiest thing to do is to Google me because there's only like two other Kylie Getzes in the whole world and they don't write things. Perfect. Um, so that's the easiest way to link to, uh, if you look for me on Twitter, um, you can find me there and that has links to my Amazon author page and my two blogs, uh, in my little bio. So it's K-Y-L-I-E-G-O-E-T-Z. Or if you're international, G-O-E-T-Z. Zed. Nice. (laughs) Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Zed's never dead. Shut your (laughs) mouth. (laughs) Bring out the gift. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you once again for coming on our show. Seriously, Kylie, this was amazing. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been a real pleasure. And I love I love the, um, the podcast. It's, it's so great to listen to other people's sort of perspectives on their work and um, just all of it, all of it. The, uh, I listened to the one, I just forgot her name, the author of Ella Enchanted. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was such a good episode. I know, right? <laughs> her yeah. sis- Jeanette's sister was geeking out hardcore oh with Gail Carson being on our show. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's great, especially once you're out of school. Mm-hmm. If you're not part of like an active um, workshop or writer's group, it can be really hard sometimes to sort of get your engines going. Mm-hmm. So I, I love what you do. I think it's fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. We try to bring new inspiration to you each week, so if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps other creative people like you to find us. If you have any specific topics you want us to tackle or would like to suggest some guests for our show, hit us up on Twitter at Ninth Story Podcast. Once again, you can find the show notes for today's episode and all of the ways you can reach us at podcast.ninthstory.com forward slash S6E19. That is the number nine, thstory.com. This has been the Ninth Story Podcast. I'm Alexander. And I'm Jeanette. Oh, and make sure to stay until after the commercials to hear a couple more Horror High Tuesday creations from last week. Stay creative, my friends. Bye, everyone. Bye. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Although I can hear death's rattle today, I will not answer its call. 
Oh, but woe is me, for each wheezing breath I find the vibrant colors and joy of life fade around me to shades of white and gray. Though my hands shake and my head nods at the effort, I will prevail, for horror haiku's day will be stopped by no plague or threat of death, and will continue to call even from the depths of my very grave." Now on to the real poem. Summons. Heed her call as it echoes across the frozen night, for to answer her is to invite terror into your home and havoc into your heart. Ah, but to ignore is to invite hell itself. Both of those were written by me, Jeanette Andromeda, and were published on HorrorMade.com. So if you like that and would like some more poetry and haiku of a horror variety, I recommend checking that out. HorrorMade.com H-O-R-R-O-R-M-A-D-E dot com. Because we are making horror. <laughs>